for Gandhi, where we talk about healing, self-care, love, sex, relationships, and what it takes to know that we are enough. I am Candace Harper Love Coach, and I'm here to support us all in eradicating the symptoms of not feeling enough by repairing our beliefs so that we can have the life and relationships that we really want to experience. And so what are some of the symptoms of not knowing we're enough? How do you even know you're out there not feeling enough? Well, if you're challenged by things like depression and anxiety, weight struggles, pain in your body, it could be migraines, back aches, joint aches, all that stuff, addiction, sexual problems, immune disorders, digestive problems, and most of all, dysfunctional relationships, then you have a pretty good idea that there's something going on with that inner landscape, something going on with how you view yourself, how you are in relationship with yourself. And so that is what we were going to talk about on this podcast. That is what I heal for others. And that is what we are here to shift in the world is the pandemic of not enough. Now, before we do all of that, don't forget to subscribe to our audio broadcast, Ask for Candy on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you normally download your podcast. We're in a bunch of different places. And if you follow us on TikTok, follow me at Candy Love Coach. There, one of my TikTok posts, I put like a whole list of all the different outlets for where you can stream and download the podcast. Also, you can email us at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. I love it when you email me, you leave me comments, ask me questions, and I always bring those questions up in a later broadcast. I don't necessarily share the question. Those of you who listen all the time, you know, I don't share the question. I take the answer and turn it into a topic so that you can then recognize your question and listen, just listen to it as a topic so you don't feel like you're being singled out because I feel like if you emailed me, you probably want some level of confidentiality. So feel free to send your comments and your questions and your ideas, anything that you'd like to hear me talk about on the show. Also, wherever you're listening, don't forget to write reviews. I don't know how um, you do it on all the different outlets, but I know with Apple Podcasts, you have to scroll down from the uh, podcast page and then you can it says write a review and you can put in however many stars hopefully you'll put in five stars every time and it'll give you an opportunity to write a little blurb a little paragraph about what you think about the show and please feel free to list all of your most favorite things the things that you love the most about listening to this show and so for those of you who've been listening, you know that, that after I decided in the last couple of shows, last week we did a show, me and Jada, uh, all about our new show, We're Matchmakers, Not Magicians. And that's going to be starting in 2022. We're launching in January. We're very excited about that endeavor. But for now, if you've been listening, you know that a couple weeks ago, I talked about how after four years of recording this podcast, I can finally say that for sure that we are going to keep focusing on all the possible avenues for healing the past, loving ourselves unconditionally, and starting our love lives over from a clean slate every damn day, practicing our enoughness. And who this podcast is for is perfectionistic, high-achieving women over 35 who are continuing to do their life's work but feeling the sting of an unfulfilled love life. And that doesn't mean that you have to be single and dying for a relationship or that you have to be in a relationship and un just unhappy in that relationship. It means feeling the sting of an unfulfilled love life and that has nothing to do with your status. 
your relationship status. So that's who we're, who we're for here. That's what our conversation is all about. It is for us by us. And so tonight's topic, today's topic, wherever you are, whatever time you're listening, who tells you what to do, honey? Who tells you what to do? And you know, for so many of us perfectionistic high achieving women, not a whole lot of people get to tell us what to do. We don't listen to a whole lot of people. I don't know about you. I know for me, I am very, very resistant to authority, very resistant to people who feel like they know it all, who are telling me how I need to move. Very resistant to that sort of thing. Although I do believe strongly in having guides, mentors, coaches, and those who can lead me, but it takes a lot. I got to respect you a whole lot for, for me to give over my leadership to you. Unless you pay me a whole lot of money. And even then that's not sustainable after a while it gets old when you don't have someone who really knows how to lead you. And so think in terms of our love lives. There's so many love gurus and dating coaches out there from all walks of life. So many therapists, mentors, guides, pastors, people who purport to have all the answers and a lot purport to have all of your answers. And while I myself, I'm happy to present myself as some level of an authority on things. I like to sound like I know. I like to be all knowing, all wisdom all the time. I want to have a real conversation about who we really um, benefit from listening to when it comes to love and dating. And I lump myself in this included as a listener and as a talker. Like what is the healthiest avenue for actually finding leadership around this love and dating thing? So let's first address who, we, who may not be the best for us to be led by. Who may not be you know, exactly the, the people to be listening to? So the first one is anyone who gives you a script for what you should say on a date in a conversation or to resolve conflicts when it comes to relationships. So there's a lot of these dating coaches and gurus out there and people who sell courses and programs. And you know, I'm not knocking it. Like I'm not knocking anyone's hustle because I do that myself. But anybody who sets up a script for you, and I know for a lot of us out there, it's like, oh, somebody just give me my words. My friend used to say that. Very good friend of mine. She used to say, just give me my words. I don't need to hear all the backstory. But see, here's the thing. When we don't deal with the backstory, then we never can come up with our own words. So anybody who's giving you a script for how you should talk to someone when you first meet or what you should say should or shouldn't say on a first date. And a lot of my matchmaking clients will say, well, you know, what should I sh should or shouldn't say? And I really don't subscribe to that because I think that we really have to be able to be present and in the moment. And then you know what is and isn't appropriate to say. Like they always say, oh, don't talk about politics and religion in certain circles. Well, read the room is what I say. Read the room, and we want to get to a point where we can read the room. Like, how do you know? Maybe you feel like you're someone who's not that socially adept. So maybe you feel like you, you don't know how to read the room. So um, in those cases, having a script just makes us inauthentic, right? When we have a script, we have words that we've already figured out to say. We leave no room for the unexpected or what that other person could possibly come with. It's very... Uh, manipulative and controlling to already know what you're going to say. 
before actually talking to a person. Even if it's someone that you, that you already know, if you have conflict with them and you feel like you know their position, when you enter into a new conversation with them, if you've already planned it all out and figured out what you've got to say, then you're leaving no room for any other possibility but controlling the situation and whatever may come from that. And for those of us who've ever tried to control a situation or someone else's thoughts with our script, with our knowing, with what we had to say, we know that ultimately that doesn't cause any sort of connection. It doesn't advance any relationships. It doesn't cause any closeness. There's no intimacy in that. There's no authenticity in that. You know, sometimes you get to win an argument and I put quotations around win, winning because what does that really get you in the long run? Right? We're not in a battle. We're here to connect with people. So if people are out there telling you that you need to have a script and here are the words to say, nah, I don't know. I don't know that that's the best leadership that we can possibly find for um, you know being able to have a fulfilled love life experience. Right? Number two, anyone who advises from a place of what you should and should not do. We do enough shoulding all over ourselves, right? And we often let the shoulds override our own wisdom. The shoulds are usually about pleasing someone else. So, you know, for those of you who use uh, your communities, religious circles, you know, your ladies clubs, your sororities, your, you know, besties from way back or, you know, whatever. There's a paradigm of tradition and should and shouldn't. What's a, what is uh, socially acceptable you know, all of those cultural rules that enter in. And I'm not saying that those things are unimportant. I mean, they can be important, you know, when it comes to um, decorum and consideration of others. But when the rules and traditions of your culture, the rules and traditions of your, your social circles, your communities are infringing on your deepest desires, your deepest passions and who you are as a person and who you know yourself to be, then listening to those rules will have you going down a path of, of inauthenticity, of uh, you know, feeling emotionally trapped, not feeling like you can be yourself. So you know, someone who comes with you with a list of rules, the list of commandments, a lot of times in religion, there's a lot of bastardization of you know, what is truly meant in the Bible and it's used to put rules on people about how they should behave, how they should act, and especially when it comes to our love lives. You know, that's why I don't espouse to uh, people like Steve Harvey and, you know, those ladies who wrote that book, The Rules, and, you know, people who put these books together where it's like, these are the laws, these are the things, these are the, you know, Ten Commandments of, you know, how you should be, who you should be when it comes to dating, relating, having what you want. Now, I say that knowing that, yes, some of these things can be valuable, but one thing we want to be able to do is tap into our own resonance with it. Rather than trying to fit in with some rule that someone has told us we need to fit into, does it truly resonate with who I am, this rule that they're saying I should have around things? So, you know, one of the things I I vaguely remember from that book, The Rules, it was sort of like a manipulative way of always seeming that you were kind of busy, that you weren't too available. Don't let yourself be too available. Well, if you're someone who's naturally not that available, that's very easy because you're just being who you are. But if you're someone who has to uh, fabricate your availability, (laughs) you're basically selling a bill of goods to someone who thinks, you know, oh, she's so... uh, 
independent or involved in her life or so interesting that, that you know, she doesn't have time for me, I have to fight for her time. Now, I could go down a whole another long road about uh, whether it's necessary to make, if you're dating men, to make a man, you know, feel like he has to fight for your time and, you know, the chase and all of that. That's a whole nother podcast. But, you know, that being set up as a rule to sort of uh, manipulate or to set up a, a, an appearance of being so busy so that someone can feel like you're hard to get, like that's the kind of thing that is not, you're not being led by anything of substance, right? That's manipulation. So what, you get into a relationship with someone, they come to find out you're not, you're not so busy. <laughs> in fact, your idea was to get in a relationship with them so that you could just be with them all the time. But that's not what they wanted. They wanted a woman who's out there moving and shaking and doing her own thing. And so then it ends up breaking down. So I say all of that to say, anyone who advises you from a place of you should do this and you should do that and you should do that, often will lead us to override our own wisdom. And like I said, be worried about pleasing other people. What other people think is the right, and I put in quotations, the right thing to do. Number three, anyone who cannot muster empathy or understanding for wherever you currently are. So when you go to people to talk to them, to get advice or guidance or leadership, if you don't feel a sense of their empathy, their understanding, their having been there, and even if they haven't been there, just being able to get a sense of it, to be able to give you a, a compassionate, loving uh, holding of space for wherever you might be, like, I get it. I get that you feel what you feel and why you would feel it. I get that you are in this place where you believe this thing and this is how it's been working out for you. I get that what you're experiencing right now is something that you don't know, you know, how to do, you know, what to do about it or what to do with it. I understand that. I've been there. I can hold your hand and I can be a listening for where you're at and understand it. A lot of times we'll go to people who aren't, aren't necessarily the people who can really guide and lead us and there won't be empathy. Just get it together, fix it, just do this, just do that. You just need to do this, that, or the other. You know, just take my advice. No, that's not the right thing. That's, you know, that's not the way you do it. You know, not saying that sometimes those people don't have good advice for what are next steps, but anyone who's advising you from a place of not really being able to empathize with you or understand where you're coming from, they either don't really care or they just want you on their agenda or you know their, their sense of judgment or whatever's blocked off within them won't allow that. And if they won't allow that, whatever advice they're giving you is from their own, uh, probably their own need for advice, probably what they actually need to hear and you are not them, even if there's somebody who are very close to you and you have a lot in common with them, right? Number four, anyone who doesn't offer you a space to be heard. So this ties in with number three, they can't muster the empathy or the understanding, but someone who really can't stop and listen, right? So we have different friends for different purposes. And I have my friends that I know, and they're, these are very, very, very small amount of people that I know. And I would say maybe even just one or two that they will actually listen to where I'm at. They'll hear my story out. They don't have a sense of waiting to talk or to compete or to compare. 
They're not quick to say, oh, you did this. Oh, well, I did that. I know maybe one or two, and most of us maybe only know one or two people who are that in their lives. I have, I have one friend that stands out, and as soon as I say I've known her since I was 19 years old, she'll know exactly who she is if she's listening. But she is someone who I can talk about what's going on with me, and what she will offer me is a space to be heard, not a waiting to tell me what's going on with her, not a, um, you know, trying to calculate what she needs to come back with, although she does come back with advice sometimes, but just a space to let it out. And then she will say something that is empathetic and understanding, like, I get it. I totally get it. And either I've been there, and if she hasn't been there, she'll maybe ask me some more questions about how I feel and what I need. And we all need that in our lives, right? We all need that from someone, even if it's just one person. Not very many people know how to do that for other people. Because we'll have a ton of friends who you tell them something, then they tell you something. You tell them something, they tell you something. If you tell them about something, they either hear it as something to compete with, something to bond with. So then they wanna say, well, yeah, me too. And la 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 la, and here's my story. Or um, they, they, read something else into what you're sharing with them and think that they either have to fix it or they have to uh, compete with it. They have to reach you on that level. They're, they're, they're not connected to you being a human, human in your space in need of someone else to hold space for you. Not a lot of people are connected to that. So that's another person who, you know, it's fine to have conversations and love, you know, friends like that and have fun with friends like that. Those can be the friends that you have the most fun with, kikiing and, you know, having wine and stuff like that. But those aren't necessarily your leaders, the leaders in your life. Those aren't the people who, when, when they give you advice or they give you coaching, they give you their response that you listen to necessarily, unless whatever they're saying resonates, which it usually doesn't because they're coming from their own place and what they would need, right? Because there's not that connection of, I see you, I hear you, and I can hear you without comparing myself to you. That's some deep shit, that's some deep friendship stuff. Not just friendship, that's family stuff, that's any kind of relationship stuff, that's romantic relationship stuff too. If, if you are bonded with someone who can hold space, a space of listening for you and see you and not need to bring their ego into it or their competitiveness or um, their comparison, I'm on one around, around this one today. I'm not really sure what that is, but <laughs> I think it's because I haven't talked to my one friend who can do it for a while. <laughs> but you know, if they're not your leaders, the people who can't do that for you. And number five, anyone who has emotional skin in your game, right? So your siblings, your, your friends who are like siblings, your parents who have an agenda or an attachment to your outcome, right? So e even as adults, well into your adulthood, you know, I'm well into my adulthood and I have parents, you know, my father in particular, who's very attached to my outcome. So he comes from a place of hearing uh, this is what I want for you. This is what, and that's natural and it's loving and it's wonderful. But that means that his advice to me is skewed towards, I want you to do what I think is right, right for you, not what you think is right for you. Because I'm not connected to what you think is right for you. As a parent, I only know what I think is right for you. 
which is most often the case. There's some great parents out there, parents of adult children, who can do that separation and say, you know what's best for you, my love, my sweet. I have raised you, and I, I trust that you know what's best for you. And then there's parents in the other camp who they always are going to want for you what they think is best for you. I have a client, she's in her late 60s. Her father only recently passed away. He was in his uh, late 90s or mid, mid to late 90s. And even up until he passed away, he was you know, concerned about her love life and what he thought was gonna be right for her and what she needed. Because that's just a natural thing that a lot of parents do unless they become enlightened otherwise. To know that it's really about trusting you know, and holding space for your child to, to understand and know what they need to do for themselves without giving advice, right? Or people who will get mad at you for not following their advice. Those aren't your leaders. Right, those that's someone who has emotional skin in the game when it comes to your choices. And that that can harken back to all of the above. Like I said, siblings, friends who are like siblings, parents who have an agenda for you, for you or attachment to your outcome. And those usually are the same people who will get mad at you for not following their advice, what you what they say you should do. All of those people are maybe wonderful, loving people in your life. You don't want to get rid of them. They're not they are of a lot of value. You know, they are your loving surrounding community and there's nothing wrong with any of it. There's nothing wrong with all of their intentions and where they come from. You want to just be very aware of who you should be guided by, who should be leadership in your life compared to who is, is there in their own capacity and they can love you just as much, but just because someone loves you doesn't mean that they know what to tell you as far as what you should do. And as a matter of fact, they don't know because they can't know. <laughs> and we'll get to that next. So what, what to look for? And I sort of have hinted at it so far. What do you look for when you're looking for leadership in your life, right? So you'll hear a lot of people say that if you want something, find someone who has acquired it and follow what they did. And I actually think that that is absolutely true when it comes to things like money, weight loss, maybe career development or career advancement, anything that requires calculated action and can be measured and scaled and tracked. I 100% believe is best taught by someone who has achieved whatever your goal may be. Any of that external stuff that is, it's measured, it's scalable, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's trackable. Like I can say, okay, I want to lose 15 pounds and I can take the actions I need to take and measure that down and get to a point where it's, I've lost 15 pounds, right? I can say that I want to become a millionaire. And so there are measurable trackable ways to become a millionaire. And that you can even do it within a, a certain time span. And I recommend that if you know anybody who has done that, definitely follow their advice around doing that. If you know anyone who's uh, you know, amassed a fortune and it's not that they, they just won the lottery, follow their advice. Definitely. They can give you measurable steps that you could, you could possibly follow. Right? But when it comes to matters of the heart... Matters of the heart, which have everything to do with our enoughness, everything to do with self-love, self-love and the whole, and the love of, of others, a whole, it's a whole different set of 
qualifications, right? Self-love, the love of others, you know, no one who's been through whatever they've been through as far as their relationship life is concerned has answers for how the another person needs to do it because another person is a completely other person, right? So there might be some things here and there that can resonate that you can take from, from what they say and make it make sense. But the, the most important thing about being guided and being led when it comes to matters of the heart. See, love is intangible and it's subjective. And our relationships with ourselves are personal. And when we're factoring in our life's experience up until now and who we are within that experience, there is no one that can tell you exactly what your measured steps and actions should be with any accuracy. And our chances of having what we want in love aren't guaranteed to be any better by following someone else's rules. You might luck into something by doing what someone else did, and there's nothing wrong with that, but by listening to what someone else is telling you to do around your love life, whatever advice, you know, what they're telling you, then it's, they can't tell you what your experience is to be around love because each of our experiences are individual. In fact, we can often sabotage by behaving in ways that other people tell us to. And like I mentioned earlier, that book, The Rules, and so many of the gurus, the YouTube gurus that you'll see out there that'll tell you how you should do it. This is, these are all the steps you need to take to be, be a married person. So if I want to be married and being married is the goal, then someone can tell me all the steps for being married. But then what if I want to have a committed, connected, uh, accepted, unconditional, loving marriage? right? So no one can tell you how to do that, that intangible stuff. They can tell you all the steps for getting somebody into a marriage, but to have a committed, connected, loving marriage, that comes from knowing your own answers and knowing yourself, right? And so there's only one major qualification when we're looking for how to decipher who to listen to when it comes to matters of the heart. One major qualification, and I've already said it, and if you are coming up with it on your own, you get the gold star for today, but you only want to be guided and led by someone who can teach you how to listen to yourself. That is the most important kind of coach, leadership, mentorship, guidance that you can have when it comes to matters of the heart because we are all a wellspring of love. Love is within all of us. We are a source of love, but very few of us know how to be continuously, consistently connected with that source of love, tap into it and listen to it and follow it. So if someone out there can teach you how to follow the source of love that is within yourself, that is who you wanna be guided by. Because not only are they a leader, but they will teach you your own leadership. And at some point you won't need their guidance anymore because if they're doing it properly, they will have taught you how to have a relationship with yourself that grows you out of, of, of not knowing how to do that anymore. 
<laughs> and don't get me wrong. Once you know how to do that, once you really know how to listen to yourself, your own inner knowing, there'll be a million other things that you want to learn how to do. So you'll always, we always will need a coach, a mentor, somebody to guide us on all kinds of different things. But that first one, that, that best guided one, and it's usually the one that's going to make up for all the stuff that parents didn't know how to do. That most important guide, that most important coach is going to teach you how to listen to yourself, how to be in relationship with yourself that causes your life to be workable. Someone who teaches that we are all connected to the greatest source of wisdom within ourselves. We all have access to it. And just by practicing a few steps, we can train ourselves to be in touch with our own inner knowing, in touch with our gut. And so that's who you want to find, someone who can teach you and support you with doing the following. And I'm going to give you the steps, my sweet love. Now, these steps that I'm giving you are the steps that ultimately, you know, over a six-week period is what I teach my one-on-one -on -one clients. It's what I teach my groups. It's what I give the tools in order to learn how to do. How do I get in such a strong relationship with myself, such an ability to listen to my own intuition, such an ability to go with my own inner knowing, my inner guide, my inner GPS? How do I do that? The first way, forgive yourself and your past so that you can trust your choices and know that you're not making them from a place of avoidance or resent resentment. Right, so that's a very loaded sentence because there's a lot that encompasses that. Forgive yourself and your past. And for all of us, there could be a lot in our past. I was, earlier today, I was watching, um, uh, I wanna say it's called Soft Underbelly or Soft White Underbelly or something like that. It's a series on YouTube, a guy named Mark Leitcha, Leitcha who does interviews with pimps and prostitutes and criminals and, and all these different people. And one thing that seems to be the unifying thing, even though a lot of them won't admit it, they'll admit it after. He'll ask them if they had trauma, if they had abuse in their lives. Some of them will say no, but then they'll commence to telling the stories of trauma and abuse that they don't even recognize as trauma and abuse. And then a lot of them will admit it. They'll talk about, you know, a lot of sexual abuse or a lot of physical abuse growing up or, you know, uh, attachment syndromes and, and different issues that came from a childhood where no one was loving towards them. And there are people out there, and you may be one of them as you're listening right now, who have suffered such trauma, just such trauma. So I don't make light of that, things that I can't even fathom or imagine. We've all suffered traumas on different levels. We've all been through our different things. But, you know, we listen to, you know, some of the things that some other people have gone through. And so it's very important, even, you know, the hardest things that we go through as human beings, in order to be able to trust ourselves when no one has shown us how to do that, when you've had no one model that for you, someone to show you, this is how you trust your own choices. This is how you trust yourself emotionally. But you need someone to model that when you're a child and someone to give you trust so that you understand what it feels like when, when, when someone has, someone trusts you. You understand what it feels like that, you know, what trust is, what it means, being in your word and all of that stuff. If you don't get that as a child, no matter how affluent your family is, 
then it becomes impossible as an adult to say, I trust my choices for myself. I trust what I, and I know this for, firsthand because most of my adult life, you know, I, I had impulses and I would follow impulses, but also suffered a lot of anxiety because I never knew whether my impulses were going to pan out. And, you know, we don't always know if our choices are going to pan out. It's not, you know, that you get this omniscience, that you know that everything you do is right, but you trust that if you make a choice, that you're committed to that choice and you'll follow through. And whether it fails or not, that there will be uh, something valuable at the end of it. Like to be able to be in that space of trust, we have to have forgiven all of our resentments and avoidances and all the reasons why we don't so that we can do and hopefully I'm not being too esoteric around it, but that's why we work on forgiving ourselves, forgiving the mistakes we've made in the past, forgiving what has happened to us in the past so that choices that we make can be from, from nothing, from a clean slate, from not trying to avoid one thing or force another thing because those choices can't be trusted. We wanna be able to come from our deepest desires. Like the choices I make, you know, let's say I'm a performer and the, my choice to go to an audition comes from that deep desire of wanting to make it as a performer, to be a performer. But for me, when I was young, I was a performer. And so my choice would be to not go because I was in avoidance of the judgment that would happen, that I thought would happen in my mind because I hadn't forgiven past judgments. I hadn't forgiven that as something that existed in the past and doesn't have to exist in the future. So I just assumed that's what it was always going to be like. I was judged and criticized in the past. I'm gonna be judged and criticized in the future. So I'm gonna avoid anything that's gonna have me deal with what I, I dealt with in the past. So that's just step number one, honey. I know it's a lot. It's a lot to digest. But we want to get we want to get to that point where we can trust our own inner knowing, where we can listen to ourselves, that we can guide ourselves. And that's that's what I'm teaching here, right? So that forgiveness, the forgiveness of yourself, forgiveness of the past. Number two, we have to allow ourselves to be flawed and learning. Right? So perfectionistic. I, I claim myself as a recovering perfectionist. And, you know, most of you who gravitate towards me, there's perfectionism. No one's harder on you than you are on yourself. I'm making that assumption because that's what my experience always has been. No one can be harder on me than I am on myself. And trust me, there's people that have been hard on me. But it was nothing, absolutely nothing compared to how hard I could be on myself. Right? I had to start to allow myself to be flawed and to be learning, growing into a loving acceptance of myself. Right? That way, when my body would give me signs, I could honor it by listening. I didn't have to go into a spiral or make it wrong. If my gut was turned upside down, or if, you know, uh, my mentor often says my stomach was flipping, or you know, I'm feeling the butterflies, or whatever's happening in my nervous system. I don't have to make, oh, I'm, I'm nervous, this is bad, I'm anxious, it's more anxiety, I got, it's all going to shit, was what I used to do with that. But because I allowed myself to, to be flawed, be learning, and grow into a loving acceptance of myself, I can listen to that now. It's like, well, what is going on with me? Why am I having a gut reaction with this thing? 
What am I believing that, that I'm having a gut reaction with this thing? Why does this feel so scary to me right now? And is this really fear? And if it's fear, what is it? What am I afraid of? Because if I'm clear about what I'm afraid of, I can face it down and I can do whatever it is I need to do. Right, but I gotta be in a loving acceptance of myself. I'm someone who used to get sick when I didn't wanna do things, right? Whether it was a cold, something would put me out, my back would go out, I'd have to lay down, I'd have to check out in some way physically when I didn't wanna do things or things weren't going the way I wanted them to go. And I wasn't doing it consciously, it was totally subconscious. But if I didn't feel like something was working out or I got myself into something that I didn't really wanna do, like something physical would break down, right? And because I didn't, I wasn't in a loving acceptance, acceptance of myself, it just, I would just make it all wrong. I wouldn't listen to it. And once I began to listen to it, I realized that's what I was doing. Once I began to see, okay, Candace, this, this, your back going out and the shutting down, like, what are you afraid of? What are you nervous about? What are you trying to get out of? What are you trying to make it so that you don't have to do anymore? What didn't you say yes or no about in a powerful, authentic way that now your body's saying, well, if you won't say no, I'm going to say no. You know, and I'm not saying you got to constantly be sitting around and ruminating about it, but you get into a practice. If I'm in loving acceptance of myself, I'm listening to my gut because your body will tell you everything, everything that your brain doesn't want to admit. You know, the brain will keep, it'll say, keep powering through, keep doing it, keep going, just keep powering through. While meanwhile, the body's shutting down. The body's like, no, we don't like this. No, that job is too hard. You don't even like what you're doing. You don't like the people there. You're working too many hours. You know, you hate your commute. This is sucking your soul because it's not anything close to what you love and enjoy. It has nothing to do with what you're doing. We'll go for years. You know, I was just talking to my, my nephew who I love so much. He's my sweetest, he's, he's my oldest nephew. And I was talking to him the other day and I was like, you don't wanna be in that place of hustle, hustle, hustle and stay in the hustle. If you get a break from the hustle, take it so that you can get yourself off that wheel of going, going, going. Because after a while, if it's not something you love to do that you're doing because you love it and you want it and you're just doing it for a check, after a while, your body will definitely start to let you know, oh God. We don't want to do this anymore. So what can I put on you so that you'll stop? <laughs> you need a heart attack? You want cancer? That's how the body works. Oh, we don't want you doing this thing anymore. We don't want you, you going through this thing you keep forcing yourself through. We don't want you to feel obligated to whatever this thing is that you've been doing for years, whether it's a relationship, a job, or whatever. And so, you know, the body responds. The body will tell you the truth. And being able to, to love and accept ourselves allows us to be able to listen to what's going on with the body early on before it gets too far, before it goes you know, to a point where, you know, and even if it does go to a point where it feels like it's beyond our, you know, being able to help ourselves around it, you know, real dis-ease, you know, things like cancer and heart problems and things like that, things that we can't just handle ourselves. Even when it gets to that point, you wanna be able to listen to your body around it. Even more so, especially when we start getting to points where we have to go into treatment for things. <laughs> you know, and I hate to always get so medical, but this is how all the emotional stuff shows up in our bodies. Not that it's psychosomatic, because it is real. Anybody who's ever dealt with, you know, any major disease, immune disorders, cancer, heart problems, uh, you know, blood pressure problems, that shit is real. <laughs> but it started out as a set of beliefs 
and an action done over and over again, denying of the self. It started out as a denying of the self and not purposeful. We do it unconsciously, right? So that loving acceptance of ourselves is so important, number two. Number three, we, we lovingly make and keep commitments to ourselves so that we will be able to keep them with others without compromising ourselves. Right? So how do I, how do I get into my own inner knowing, inner trust, inner stability? I keep my commitments to myself. And let me tell you something. I say that like, oh, it's so easy. Just keep your commitments to yourself. Meanwhile, you know, we just got over Thanksgiving. I've been eating carbs like a motherfucker. And that is not me keeping my commitment to myself. <laughs> but it's just that willingness to say, this is what I'm, th this is what I'm about. I'm going to fail at it sometimes. Sometimes I'm not going to keep the commitment. But for the most part, I am, I'm about keeping commitments to myself, keeping my word to myself, because when I'm willing to do that, I know I can build trust with myself. I trust myself to do what I say I'm going to do when it comes to me. And therefore I can do that with other people as well. And this is how we avoid things like martyrdom or manipulation, because we don't have to come from a place of compromising ourselves in order to, to do for others. You know, when we're filled up, the powerful source within us becomes crystal clear for all of our decisions and interactions. When we're taking good care of ourselves, for example, like I was just talking about with the carbs thing, when I'm not keeping my commitment to, to myself for eating healthy, my body starts to feel it and it shifts my mood and I get emotionally fragile and I become unable to listen to myself and I, make, I can't make choices from a clear head. And I can be feeling very crappy so I can take things personally or start thinking negative things about other people and what they do. My mind goes in all different negative directions because I'm not taking the time to give my body what it needs. Because I'm not keeping my word to myself. I'm not, I'm not structuring under that, that trust. Trust for I know that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to follow through with it. And I practice it as much as I possibly can. And sometimes I fail at it, but I can acknowledge that I failed at it without beating myself up because that goes back to that perfectionist thing. I can acknowledge that I'm failing it. Right now, this week, I can acknowledge that I have eaten more bread or carb-based things <laughs> in this past three days <laughs> than I probably have eaten all year or at least, you know, a collective of what I've eaten all year. I can acknowledge that and I can acknowledge that I'm failing in my commitment to myself without beating myself up about it. Not just because it's the holidays, but because I don't have to be perfect all the time. Right? But I do understand I can trust myself, trust myself to get back on my commitment because I know I have before and I know I'll do it again. Right? Listening to myself listening to what my body needs. And sometimes my body needs to, to fail at my commitment of eating carbs. Sometimes that's what my body wants. And then I do a great workout and I feel all good. And then I get back onto my commitment, right? Of, of being plant-based and making sure my body gets enough nutrients, which is the most important thing. Anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. We're not doing that show right now, Candace. We're talking about keeping commitments to ourselves keeping promises to ourselves so that we'll be able to keep them with others, right? I need someone who can hold me accountable or teach me ways to set up accountability for doing what I said I was going to do.
So yeah, all of that, that is what I do as a coach and a hypnotherapist is I teach you how to connect with yourself and make choices from your own inner wisdom, not your fear or the past where you've been hurt or you know what you think you already know about things, what we all think we already know about things, what we've made up from the past, what we feel like we know to be true, leaving no space for what the future can look like or what we can create in the future. Your body, your mind, your soul is a source of unlimited wisdom and wealth. And being able to tap into it is going to have you experiencing what you want to experience in life, your most inner desires. Your inner soul will tell you what you wanna be doing. And your, your head might come in and say, yeah, but we believe that it should be this way. So we're going to keep doing this thing right now. Then your body will say, yeah, but no, I still got this inner desire here. So, you know, you can keep doing, trying to do that thing and just, we get all in conflict with ourselves, right? We want to find the congruency and that's who you want to be listening to is people who help you find congruency within yourself. People who, who soothe your inner conflicts. People who allow you to tap into your inner soul and have your mind and body align with your innermost desires and who you want to be in this world. People who align you with what is your legacy, how you envision yourself who you know yourself to be, knowing thyself. That's biblical, honey. Know thyself so that you can show up in the world the, the way that you want to. Don't not you know, listen to what somebody else told you you're supposed to do in order to, to navigate through the world. Here's your steps. For external stuff, yes. For love, relationships, connection, bonding, that is your individual experience, your individual journey. And so you want to be really in touch with yourself and listening to yourself in order to get all the answers for whether you need to call that fool back if you haven't heard from him, for what you need to communicate in a relationship, what you need to say when things aren't going the way you want how you need to look at your part in it, what you need to heal about yourself when things aren't going the way you want over and over again. And sure, you figure out, oh, this is something I need to deal with. I've got this trauma that's unhealed. Then go get somebody who can be your space of listening. Like I said, be that space of listening and help you find that love for yourself and reconnect with yourself around that trauma. Don't go get somebody who's like, well, I had that trauma and this is exactly how you should fix it. Or somebody who, you know, is in your family who has their own stuff to deal with. Because a lot of times families do that toxic abuse thing where the whole family's abusive and everybody has found their ways to cope with it and they want you to suck it up and cope with it as well and get on that train of just suffering, 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 suffering silently and pretending that everything is okay. That's thing too. It doesn't mean that those people don't love you. But when you are looking for guidance and leadership and wisdom in your life, Find someone who, who helps you tap into your own inner knowing, your own inner wisdom. And that is what I want you to take away today. And that's it, my sweet love. This hour goes by so fast. Oh my goodness gracious. I'm glad that once again this week we've had this time together. 
And, you know, I hope that that something that I said has resonated with you because, you know, mama likes to go off on a tangent. Sometimes I can just go. I could just be talking about this stuff forever. And there's so many different arms to it. But, um, you know, after all that has been said, if you are ready to make a serious commitment to your transformation and if you are suffering from the symptoms of not feeling enough, that unfulfilled love life experience being an achiever, a perfectionist, somebody who has made things happen in your life big time, but cannot seem to make love, love connection, true love of self happen. Keeps feeling like, oh, I I need to buy enough stuff. I need to get enough degrees. I got to advance in my career. I got to just be as powerful as possible. Keep keeping and hoping that that's going to be the thing that fulfills me that has me, you know, heal all the old stuff. If I just get high enough at the head of the table, you know, they always say the seat of the table. I'm trying to get to the head of the table. Once I get to the head of the table, that's going to be it. That's not going to be it, my sweetheart. Because it is that inner relationship with self that says you do not have to work any longer or any harder in order to be enough. You are enough exactly as you are. And whatever you choose to achieve is wonderful if that's what makes you happy and passionate. But if you're doing it because you are pressured to achieve or there is some outside force that says that you must achieve in order to be worthy, that you are not worthy unless you you have four degrees, that you are not worthy unless you make a certain amount of money or drive a certain car, all that stuff will kill you. But don't get me wrong. I'm not saying people shouldn't achieve, but it should be from your passions and your desires. And let me take the word should out of it because I just finished saying don't listen to people who say shoulds. <laughs> and I turned right around and I gave you a should. It's not a should. You know what it is? It's a, you know, you do one thing, you get one thing, you do another thing, you get another. And if what you really want is loving connection and a fulfilled love life. You got to start with that self-love relationship. And so you want someone who can guide you into being able to, to listen to your inner knowing, not your past in order to have that experience. Anyway, I love you so much, my sweetheart. So are you, if you're ready to make a serious commitment to your transformation, suffering from the symptoms of not feeling enough, if you're ready to make a financial and emotional investment for your freedom, your physical wellness, and how you experience your love life, Email me, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com and ask for my exclusive consultation link. You email me and ask for it. I will send it to you. Make sure you ask for it in the body of the email or in the subject line. Exclusive consultation link for, um, you know, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at candylovecoach. And that is it, my sweet loves. We are done for the day. We are done for the week. I'll be back next week. I'll be on TikTok. Follow me on TikTok at Candy Love Coach. Also, and when you're following me on the Instagram. And our business page on Facebook is Candace Harper Love Coach. Until next time, never forget that you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, just make more and then ask for candy. Mwah, mwah, mwah. I love you so much, I my sweetheart. Shoe.